The human memory is amazing. Its detailed workings shrouded in mystery. Why does our brain retain certain information but discard other data? Was this intricate working of the brain formed accidentally or by design? Stay tuned. The very existence of our memories, either long, intermediate, or short-term, is clear evidence of creation. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. Throughout Scripture, we're exhorted to remember many things. Of prime importance is to keep in mind the Lord our God. Ecclesiastes 12.1a tells us, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. Memory is a precious gift from God, and how it works is something that science has not yet fully discovered. Yet evolutionists claim that our brain and its memory capability evolved over millions of years. We beg to differ. Don't forget to stay tuned for the next 15 minutes as we learn some fascinating things about memory and the human brain. We'll also see how the design and function of this incredible organ give evidence for creation. ICR biologist Frank Sherwin says it's obvious that we couldn't survive without a brain, but what if we had no memory? Unlike evolutionists who describe our mind as nothing more than a neural computer, as one popular psycholinguist from MIT called it, creationists state that our mind is not a computer, but it has a computer, which is the brain. Well, this includes our wonderful and mysterious memory. Without it, our minds would constantly exist in the present moment, with no recall of any past events, faces, vocabulary, odors, or habits. We, we could never know or communicate with each other or the Creator. Dr. Alan Gillen, professor of biology at Liberty University, agrees that our memory is of extreme importance. Memory is the storage and retrieval of information. Memory is essential for learning and incorporating our experiences into our behavior and part of our conscience. Stored somewhere in your three pounds of wrinkled brain are memorized scriptures, names of family and friends, and skills to play your favorite sport. Your memories reflect your lifetime, and there are different types of memory. So what are these different types of memory? Dr. David DeWitt is a neuroscientist and associate professor of biology at Liberty University. There's declarative memory where we remember factual-type information and procedural memory, where we remember how to do a task, like ride a bike or swing a golf club. We also have short-term and long-term memory and working memory. Working memory is what we typically will use while we're having a conversation with someone. Working memory is a very short-term type of memory that doesn't last for very long. An example of working memory is when you go to a store, you park your car, you go into the store, you remember where you parked the car when you come out of the store. But after you've left the store, you don't remember exactly where you parked. Thus, working memory ensures that we only keep pertinent information. We actually don't store every detail in our brains. There's a lot that doesn't make it into long-term storage, especially a lot of details that are barely noticed. If we remembered every single detail of our lives, it would be difficult for us to carry out in our daily lives. 
not so much from the volume of information, but from not being able to differentiate between what's important and what's not important. However, Dr. DeWitt points out that small details are retained in our memory if a conversation or event is very important to us. Words are significant, and so we'll remember the words. When an incident occurs or a tragedy, we can remember all kinds of detail about that event. So people, for example, remember a lot about what they were doing when they heard about the September 11th tragedy or John Kennedy's assassination. Things that we attach significance to, we remember. So just how does our brain retain and recall information? And how does it know what facts are pertinent to us and which are unimportant? While many aspects of memory are still a mystery to science, Dr. Gillen explains how memory connections or pathways are made, thus enabling us to remember. Memory is based on a combination of nerve cells that we call neurons and also their associated cells called gleons. There appears to be a pathway that goes through our brain that neuroscientists call a memory trace or a memory engram. What they are are a combination of the nerve cells or neurons and the connections between them. The connections between two nerve cells or neurons is called a synapse, and a lot of the memory is thought to occur in the chemical information that's stored in the synapse. They refer to the synapse as changing one arm of the neuron touching another, Basically, as they change in our memory, this is called synaptic plasticity. And each time we learn a new fact, another reinforcement, so to speak, or connection seems to take place. Repetition is an example of how a memory trace is formed. Think about when you first study for a biology test or a chemistry test or some other test that involves memorizing a lot of facts. Basically, as you study, you're forming a memory trace. And this is a lot like making a trail in the woods. The more times you go over the trail walking, the more distinct and permanent the path comes. If you don't walk the trail very often, then weeds grow in the way, and so the path becomes fuzzier. So basically, the more you read and study and memorize biology or memorize the Bible, the more of the synaptic connections are made to reinforce the fact or concept that you're trying to learn. We talked earlier about remembering many details of a tragedy or a significant experience in our lives. How does the memory trace work in these situations where studying and memorizing are not a part of the connection process? Now, someone may ask, well, gee, I remember a certain emotional or memorable event like you may think of the time when the World Trade Center was destroyed on September 11th, or for those in my generation might remember the assassination of John F. Kennedy, or someone else may remember the day of their salvation. And those events are what I would associate are something like a bulldozer that is making a trail in the woods. The event is so sensational that there are 
many, many connections that are made at once in the brain that these sights and sounds and emotions are all interwoven in these synaptic connections that make that memory permanent. Dr. Gillen adds that even though scientific research on memory and the human brain continues, there are still a lot of unanswered questions regarding this subject. Scientists don't totally understand everything about how we learn, how we memorize, or how things get reinforced, or why some people can remember better than others. But the principles that we've talked about are what scientists generally believe are occurring. There are so many fascinating things about memory in the brain, and so much more to be discovered. Frank Sherwin says the choice of believing in the theory of evolution or in the truth of creation should not be a difficult decision. The very existence of our memories, either long, intermediate, or short-term, is clear evidence of creation. It's only in this 21st century that researchers are now beginning to solve the molecular, cellular, and biochemical differences underlying the diverse aspects of memory. It's no wonder with having to work with a brain that has as many nerve cells as there are stars in our Milky Way galaxy. Dr. DeWitt. The fact that there are so many different brain regions and processes involved in the storage and retrieval of memories points to a creator. Of course, memory is great and would be a selective advantage to those organisms that possess it, but how do you evolve this in a stepwise manner through descent with modification? It's only advantageous if you have a fully functional system. This points to a creator who would make it properly from the beginning. Dr. Gillen. It's very difficult to imagine, even given so-called millions of years, for this, what I call, interwoven complexity to emerge. Each one of these connections are usually dependent upon others. Just adding a single strand more or connection may confer a little bit of an advantage, but generally you need everything in place in the brain for things to work. If you cut out the amygdala or you cut out part of the hippocampus, you have tremendous deficiency in learning, in thought, in memory. It's very difficult to imagine that something like this would just gradually evolve over millions of years. It makes a lot more sense that all these structures were fully put into place. Frank Sherwin adds that there is absolutely no evidence of a slow and gradual evolution of the brain. We find the brain is complete and fully formed and functional for the various representative groups of animals. But as to the evolutionary attempt to describe how a quote-unquote simple or a very small group of neurons that we might call a brain evolved into the three-pound brain of the human being, they have absolutely no idea whatsoever. Chimpanzee brains have been created to work inside chimpanzees as human brains work for human beings. But there is no indication whatsoever of quote-unquote brain evolution. We all have certain memories that will stay with us forever. Dr. Gillen says the most important memory to have is that of salvation. It's been nearly 36 years ago that I became a Christian Yet that event is still vivid in my mind. In 1968, uh, Reverend Comfer explained to me how, how to become a Christian, how to be saved. 
So having explained to me that God had loved me, that man was a sinner, and that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for my sins, in April of 1968, Palm Sunday, I asked Jesus Christ into my life, and from that point on, I can truly say he cleansed me of my sins, and he transformed me into a person that would be more like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Having realized that, it gave me a purpose to study the Creator and the Creator's work even further. So that's what memories can do for us, that God gives us the ability to remember when He has saved us and why He saved us, going back, even in my case, for some 36 years. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.